We met him way before that. We met him in 2003 or four. It would have been at the Bowery. It was our first proper headlining show in New York, and he and David Byrne both came, and then the next time we played New York, we sang with David Byrne and Bowie was there, so we got up to a pretty, we got a really warm welcome from New York immediately. Um, but yeah, he was a huge supporter, and you know, we just kind of connected musically. It was kind of like meeting like this amazing professor who knows everything about. Well, he used to sing a lot of backing vocals like on the Lou Reed records or Iggy Pop, The Idiot, or you know, and a lot of that stuff he's not credited on. And for me, the kind of meaningful thing was that um, there was this line in Reflector that was always supposed to be sung by a third person because the rest is between Regine and I, and then there's a line, a lyric, thought you were praying to the Resurrector is kind of speaking to us. And so um, it was too perfect because we were recording in Electric Lady Studios, which is where he recorded Fame. And he walked in and he hadn't been there since, since he, it's like, oh, the last time I was here, I was in the basement recording Fame with John Lennon. And yeah, totally. And so there's that thing where John Lennon sings the backing vocals on Fame. And it felt really amazing to have him singing the backing vocals on our record in the same studio, you know. And he's doing kind of an imitation of his vocal on Fame for one of the lines. And so just kind of as an art piece, it felt really, and I think he really related to that aspect of it too, that it was like this kind of full circle. Um, and just like Reflector being a, you know, about, not about fame at all, but just, a, you know, philosophically, I think that, that the songs kind of have something to say to each other. Good evening. Welcome to another B-side of Pod Like a Hole. We are heading towards the 2013 era of David Bowie, which means we will be talking about the album The Next Day. But before we talk about that, let's talk about what he was doing around the uh, mid to middle aughts. And that would uh, be working with TV and the radio for a song and Arcade Fire for a song. Before we get to that, I want everyone to know that yesterday was me, Stephen Chambers. It was my stepfather's 60th birthday party. And oh boy, what a time it was. Everyone got together. Everyone imbibed. And there was a certain point last night where my parents' neighbor, who's an Irish immigrant, was sitting with me on the back deck, and somehow we ended up with a bottle of uh, Glenn Levitt. And I was looking at him and his bald head, and a lightning storm, a real lightning storm, started last night. And there was lightning crashing in the distance behind his head as we swilled Glenn Levitt, which you shouldn't swill, you should drink it slowly. Anyhow... That was a harbinger of things to come, and <laughs> it only went worse from there. So today, on Sunday, the day after, you're getting me at the uh, the very end of a long, uh, a long hungover day. Anyhow, Mark and Eric, how are you? Great, great. Lightning crashes and an old mother cries. Yes, I know. Thank I, you for making that joke, Eric. That was just <laughs> sitting there. Thank you. Uh, you're no, you're last night, a, an old mother, and don't tell her I called her old. She laughed. She okay. got a, a kick out of her son being a jackass. But uh, there was something about the lightning in the distance and me just being like, this is a bad idea. Um, anyhow, let's talk about a, 
a couple of songs. And then what do you guys think after we talk about these songs? Would They're both guest appearances. Would you like to talk about some of our favorite guest appearances? I say we do it. Yeah, I think right. I could I think I could wing a top fiver. No problem. Yeah, no problem. We yeah. love our top fives. We the internet loves a list and so does Mark, Eric, and Steve. And can that I, is can Eric I, Anderson. Yeah. And that, that yeah. is Eric Anderson. And yeah. that is Mark Brandstad. And Hello we there. Are a pod like a whole, a space podity. What Mark, do you got to I'm, say, Eric? Mark, I'm happy you're back. I'm happy your your men, your mental state has held since our last episode. I'm glad you're still holding strong. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh I've thrown out all of the tin in my house. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, something the the physicians and the uh, psychiatrists prescribed. Usually, people in your state wrap tin around their head, but no, you're going the other way with it. Going the so, other way, yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, yeah. you're good. You're you're yeah. trending away from our our friend Chuck McGill in Better Call Saul season three, which Steven's been watching, and my God, it's great television. And that guy likes to lace everything in tin. Oh yeah. I uh, appreciate that we're doing guest appearances here thanks to the uh, David Hasselhoff album that just dropped in which he covers post, post-punk and like 80s dark wave songs with the help of uh, many ridiculous uh, people like, uh, like his cover of Sweet Caroline with Ministry is, uh, is ridiculous. That whole album is ridiculous and I, I, and I, I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it. Yeah, he's kind of going... You guys remember when... Uh, Pat Boone did that in a metal mood album. He's kind of doing something like that, I think. I'm sure it's still big in the land of Rammstein, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he covers Heroes, which is he has said is is special to him because he played at that that concert for Berlin that Bowie Bowie was at because he's so big and you know over there. Anyways, I I I can't help but listen to that to his album and say, yeah, it's not bad. So. So is the cover with the Uncle Al good? <laughs> it's it's actually very subdued. It doesn't sound anything like Modern Ministry. It's all like um, like sampled program beats and uh, like turntable scratches and synth buzzes. It's, it's it's interesting. Well, spoilers. That won't be the last time someone talks about uh, Al Jorgensen tonight. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, Mr. Bowie, he got really quiet uh, after reality. And uh, one thing he did that Eric reminded me of today was a TV and the radio song called uh, Providence, I believe. Is that Province. what it's called? Province. Province. So um, this, is, this is off. This is off the fantastic record, "Return to Cookie Mountain," isn't it? You got it. Two thousand and six, I believe. Yeah, and that's uh, it's, it's funny. That's the second time this week that I've thought about TV and the radio because uh, are either of you caught up on the Righteous Gemstones TV show? I am. No, sir. Have you watched any of it, Mark? No, sir. 
Don't worry, I'll get around to it. I watched Vice Principals like three years after it aired. Okay. Um, But I got there eventually. It's continued quality from our friend Danny McBride and uh, his pals, David Gordon Green and Jody Hill. And uh, anyhow, in the credits of the last episode, the TV and the radio cover of uh, Mr. Greaves, the Pixie song, Mm -hmm. uh, played. It was great. Anyhow, Erica, you got any you got any background on this cover? Or, yeah, I'm sorry, not cover. It's it's pretty cool. Um, so uh, we've talked about on, actually on this show, Dave Sedek a lot, uh, guitarist for, and and co vocalist from uh, TV on the radio. Um, and he got his start, and he was a in Brooklyn, and he was a you know musician, and he and um, Tunde, his uh, his his other vocalist, they were creating all this music, and um, he was also a painter. And um, the doorman to David Bowie's building bought one of his paintings. And uh, when he was going to drop it off, he got word that, that Bowie lived in that building. He like uh, gave the guy a discount on the painting and slipped him some demo tapes to pass up to Bowie. And two years later, Bowie was, uh, was you know, contacted him and said he wanted to work on their new album. And, Bo- uh, Bowie, actually, Bowie actually called him and he, uh, he thought he was getting put on by uh, one of the guys from the band uh, Liars. <laughs> and it turned out it was really Bowie. Bowie's like, "Hey, man, I'd l- I'd love to work together." And yeah, you know, he he thought he was doing punk. He, he as many of us was a Bowie fan going way back. Uh, he got into David Bowie through his father. His father had really elaborate stereos, and he stumbled upon Heroes, just a song one time, and he worked his way through the entire album. And then a few years, he was working. Uh, he was painting with a buddy. And the guy had uh, low on cassette and he couldn't believe how one side of low was so different than the other side of low. And it was amazing that one guy could do so much on uh, one record to him. And uh, yeah, he became a, a Bowie fan for life. Nice. Yeah. And I saw, I saw TV in the radio. Did, were you guys at that show here in Sacramento where the old Bojangles bar used to be? I think it was called the library yep. at the time. I think yeah, we, went to, a- we, we must've went to that together. Mark, were you there? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. God, that was that, that was a good that was a good show. I, I, I had a lot of I saw a lot of fun shows at uh that place when it was called Bojangles growing up. Um I saw the Melvins there. I saw a bunch of terrible hardcore bands there. Uh but that, that, that was a fun place. It was weird. It had a fire pit in the back and a really a really bad kitchen. Um, right. right. I think the last show I saw there was uh TV on the radio. Yeah, it was called the library at that point and it was it was a it was a blast. They were awesome. And, uh, I, they would remain great songwriters. What I, I really did like their early sound. Cause it was very like, wa- it was very wall of sound, um, like, uh, big fuzzy guitars, but their melodies, they, it was, it was very like fragile, soulful singing, almost like Prince esque. Well, they, uh, yeah, they very much, styling. they had great vocalists. The, the, the yeah. two co-vocalists, and I'm sure the rest of the guys, the man sing too. They, uh, soulful and uh yeah uh, r&b-esque at times mm-hmm. and uh, they, they really leaned into that because they had the ability to do it um right they've never made an album that i didn't like i've liked all of them i think what was the last one they put out it's been a while hasn't it i couldn't even tell you what their last one was i yeah i think I, so it has been a while i followed um, them through dear science but i don't think i got to check out anything after dear science so Oh, I definitely checked out. If if something came out after Dear Science, so it looked like Dear Science came out in two thousand and eight, and then Nine Types of Light. I like that one. That's a good one. And then, um, well, shame on me. Seeds. I don't think I ever listened to the one that came out in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I, I I have listened to both of those, and um, 
I think uh, the first three records of theirs just um, hold a special place in my heart, but I tended to just kind of meander through uh, Nine Types of Light and then Seeds. I, I haven't like really resonated with those. I just kind of listened to them a couple times and then just put them on the pile. But those first three, man, are all-time classics. Yeah, I, you I love those you first three. Yeah. You can't beat that, uh, uh, that single off Return to Cookie Mountain. What the hell is that song called? Yeah, our, our, Wolf and Me. Wolf and Me. Oh God, Wolf like oh, Wolf like Me is is amazing. Yeah. And then there's like uh, twenty five TVs. Like there's so much, many multiple TV shows have used that Wolf and Me song because it's just amazing. There's right. a sense of um, urgency. Breaking urgency Bad. To that track. Breaking Bad uh, did a perfect use of the song DMZ. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that fantastic song. That was yeah. the. Uh, <laughs> that's the second uh, time we're going to bring up the Breaking Bad verse tonight. That was where he goes to the guy in the parking lot and says, stay out of my territory. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, and it, it, it makes sense. Catches them, he catches them buying a <laughs> cooking goods at Lowe's or some, some yeah. such. Yep. Uh, it, yep. It, it makes sense. Bowie like these guys because um, in addition to being an awesome band, they were um, visual artists. Like they were sculptors and painters and actors. So they were, they were, you know, he, you could tell between this and, and Arcade Fire, he was getting inspiration from this new kind of indie scene that was ha- this this early aughts indie scene that was happening, and um, you can you can really see why he clicked with these guys. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about this song in particular. Um, this song is a uh, kind of a big, beautiful, just kind of thundering song. It just it just uh, keeps it just starts and they're standard vocals come in and then Bowie, you can really hear it. Bowie takes up the low end during the choruses um, as he sings along. Um, as far as what it's about, I don't know. I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do my usual uh, I'm not, thing. I'm not asking that from you. I'm just, yeah. you know, yeah, just, uh, it's, it's that once uh, the song, you know, it starts, I, I'm not, I'm not going to punish our listeners with trying to mimic it, but mm-hmm. it's one of the TV on the radio songs. That's less percussion and more vocalization. Right. Yeah. Province. Mark, yeah. You, heard, you, you remember this song, right? Did you give it another shot? No, I remember it. Um, I can't hum a few bars, but I know exactly what song that it is. Um, and it is more of one of the songs that sounds very lush. Um, yes. Rather than having it be very percussion based or very groove based. But it's a good one. Um, it's a it's a really good one. And speaking of TV on the radio, I... Have you, either of you um, ever g- gave uh, Dave Sidetech's um, side project Maximum Balloon a spin? No. Yeah, no. Uh, it's it's not bad. Um, it's just uh, an amalgamation of him, his production work with uh, a variety of different artists. It's not bad, but uh, if it's you know you're bored yeah. and wanting to listen to something kind of interrelated give it a give it a try yeah i mean he produced that um scarlett johansson tom waits cover album which that's right uh, yeah. is it which isn't that bad i mean she's kind of she's not a bad singer she's just kind of boring but um hey, can it's I, great can I, to uh, hear his music tearing through that uh that whole album doing tom waits songs that's not the last time that someone will bring up tom waits tonight no um, no it's not <laughs> and uh yeah uh, i he did some nine inch nails remixes he did I believe. he did yeah. yeah he did uh an official and an unofficial like a one that wasn't released uh and then he did he started his own label and trent and atticus did a remix of one of the bands on there, telepath so yeah 
Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm going to try to uh, use tonight to remind myself tomorrow when I'm driving for three hours in the morning to maybe check out some other more recent albums. And by that, I mean one that was released, uh, what, five years ago? So <laughs> um, yeah. uh, are, they, are they still together? Are they in hiatus? What are they doing? You know, I have no idea. I really don't. I am. I imagine that they're all kind of doing just separate works. One of the guys, I think the other lead singer, uh, not the guy with the big Afro. Um, I can't remember his name and I feel bad about that. Tunde Adabimpe, David Sadek, Kip Malone and Jaleel Kip Malone. Blunt. Yes. Kip Malone is the guy with the Afro. And then Tunde is kind of their lead singer that pretty much does a lot of the lion's share. I, yeah, I know. Tunde. He was in. He was in a uh, a movie. It was an independent movie with um, Anne Hathaway called um, like Rachel's Wedding or something. It was really low budget. Oh, um, that's a he, Noah Bombach movie. Exactly. Right? I believe so. Um, but I don't know if like he's got the acting bug or if that was just a favor for a friend. Let us not forget that uh – during a, a tour they did with, uh, I think, Nine Inch Nails, they were the ones covering songs with Trent and Peter Murphy. On some That's of right, so. which was fantastic. They are on stage where they do a cover of Bella Lugosi's Dead. So, yeah, that was uh, around 2006. And then Bowie didn't put out any more albums. Bowie didn't put out any more records until 2013, which was uh, the next day, which we will talk about the next week. But he did... Right after the next day came out, he did do backup vocals on Arcade Fire's song Reflector. And that song is a powerhouse. But before we talk about that song, I think I know the answer, but maybe our listeners don't. How do we all feel about Arcade Fire? So Arcade Fire was one of those Canadian power groups with like a bunch of members, like a bunch of string players. and, um, And they would definitely play their almost power pop meets noisy indie thing. Um, they came out around the same time as broken social scene. And I was in the broken social scene camp. Um, I think not that they were fool. You're not, they were not, they were competitors. Um, but well, if they were, if they were arcade fires, 10 times, well, I, I eventually got around to giving that first, that, uh, first album funeral, a spin, and yeah, that, that perfect. Yeah, record. and it was great. Yeah. It, was, uh-huh. it, was, it was awesome. It was, it was, yeah, it was good. And then I, and I became a fan and I definitely followed him through this, through the suburbs album. And then my, my tastes have kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, got, got a little way from that. So I should probably check out, you know, but I did, I did come back for Reflector and that album kicked my ass. I find, I find this interesting because I think Mark's going to be uh, quite the opposite of you. Maybe I'm wrong. Mark. Oh man, um, Arcade Fire are one of my all-time favorite bands. All-time favorite bands. Um, I although everything now I uh, have only listened to that in passing, um, but I've got to say uh, their self-titled EP, Funeral. Uh, the reason I actually heard of Arcade Fire is David Bowie because he was on a MTV interview. And he was talking about Arcade Fire, and he was surprised that not more people had heard of them. So he actually purchased 50 copies, or somewhere around that number of uh, copies, and gave it to all of his friends and family, and just basically tried to get in everyone in on the ground floor on this band. And so I got our uh, funeral. Uh, they're pretty much their first self or their first uh, debut album, full length proper. And I got a promo of it, and my God, 
Um, there is so many great songs. Wake up sometimes gets me um, going. Um, Neighborhood powers out. Like there's so many good songs. Uh, Haiti is on there. Uh, so many good songs. And then after that, Neon Bible came out and uh, the hype for them really started to ramp up. And Neon Bible is an extremely dense, dark record. Uh, it was recorded in, I think, an old cathedral or something like that. Lots of organ. The song My Body's a, uh, a Cage is mm-hmm. beautiful. Someone, some genius on YouTube um, mixed that song, Bought My Body is a Cage, to the very end climatic scene of Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, where Jason Robards and Charles Bronson, um, they're facing off and it fits perfectly. It's so good. I want to kiss the person who apparently <laughs> edited that together because uh, it just it brings out some emotions in you. Yeah. And then, if I could uh, if I could interrupt you for one second. Yeah, hold go your for thought. it. Mm-hmm. Another cinematic masterpiece, and I'm not being sarcastic, is when Peter Gabriel covered that song and it was used for the trailer for the movie I Adore. I love Disney's that movie. Disney's flop. John Carter. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Oh my God! In the trailer, that was like the perfect. And yeah, I'm I'm a Peter Gabriel fan. I like Peter Gabriel a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, Eric, where do you stand on uh, John Carter's Carter? Great. That's an Anderson Family classic right, right. there. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I don't. I think everyone that actually sat down and watched it were like, "Wait, this movie's great." If you grew up with so, the patience for '80s sci-fi that gets away from itself like your uh <laughs> your dunes or your crolls or if you if you can even sit through any of those then john carter is going to be a treat for you so yeah mm-hmm. yeah but then reflector came out and uh well suburbs the way they won a whole bunch of grammys album of the year uh, i wasn't my favorite record of them but i did enjoy it um a lot uh but then reflector came out as a double disc and it's such a just a sprawling work of uh, genius. It's it's very great. And that first title track where David Bowie appears is probably one of the all-time greatest songs ever made. Um, there, and, and then yes. that's, yeah, and then I think that brings us current to everything now, um, which uh, is okay. It's it, it's not one of the ones that really stuck with me, but there is some really good gems on there as well. Mm. But I love that band. Yeah. While I am while I am not as passionate as Mark, I am a big fan of RK Fire. I um friend of the show, Jason Hellwell, may he rest in peace. He and I worked together in a warehouse for a year or two, and one of us went and bought it at a Best Buy, a funeral. I don't know which one of us bought it, but one of us bought it at a funeral on a lunch break and brought it back and we listened to it uh while we were doing our uh we basically just we ran up and down aisles and and picked shit and threw it in boxes, kind of like uh, the horror stories you hear about Amazon. But um, yeah, and, and, and just that album appeared in our lives in the middle of the day, and I was just amazed by, I never heard anything like it before. The songs were very soaring. Uh, the, the There was just incredible instrumentation, and I couldn't even tell like how many different types <clears throat> of instruments were on each song. Um, as yet, yeah, I was fascinated by Funeral. Mm. And, you know, that album's had like, it's been in a billion movie trailers and TV shows and stuff for a reason, the various songs off of it. One of which I think was really used well on the, uh, the where the wild things are. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was great. Neon Bible, neon Bible was just so, like you said, Mark dense. It was just so dense. And, uh, I dug it. I dug neon Bible. 
And then the suburbs was pretty good. The suburbs had that, uh, what's that single off of it? It was like a really driving, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Suburbs had a great song. Great. There's one great that's, song. uh, his wife regine sings on it's uh, sprawl mm-hmm. Two, um, the mountaintops. That song is something else. It's very good. <clears throat> then, uh, and then Reflector, though, I when Reflector came out, I was a fan of it before I knew David Bowie's on it. I think I I don't know if I picked up that he was on the song until it was pointed out to me. I can't remember. Yeah. But I, I thought Reflector was a just a, a masterpiece. Because he just pops in for a little and, a little uh, like ha- half a verse. Like, or, it might be yeah, two, two sentences or something. Yeah. 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 It's great. And uh, we will get to it in a second. But the album and it's and, and as a a whole probably my favorite record of theirs, which is saying a lot because I think the first album's perfect, but uh, it was a few years after the whole dance pug punk craze. And I think that taking that, uh, style with uh, James, James Murphy and marrying it to arcade fires, uh, intricate instrumentation is a, it's a great mix. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, good band. Uh, we're not saying anything too controversial no. here tonight. There's a, there's a great but, uh, uh, quote from the 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 Pushing Ahead the Dame website um, where he's co- uh, comparing the two bands that Bowie collaborated with during this time, and he said uh, he said that uh, you know um, TV on the radio are the new New York boho sophistication compared to Arcade Fire's shambling Canadian glee club. Club the latter came off like a Salvation Army volunteer who forgot to go home after Christmas. <laughs> Which is a quote from Sasha Frey Jones, but anyways, it's just, and they are they're 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 definitely like a a big bunch of troubadours that that are genre jumping maniacs. They're great. Did you guys did you guys see that little clip I sent you of their little uh, their little parade for to the Bowie tribute after Bowie died and uh, yeah, it was great. Nolans, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, Win Butler, uh, and he just seems like. I've heard, uh, I remember for, uh, there was a little bit of a controversy between him and the Flaming Lips. Uh, Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips was saying some shit that the guys from Arcade Fire were just stuck up assholes now that fame had gone to their heads. And um, I don't know. There was definitely some words being thrown across the the bows and the sterns of both of these bands for a little bit. I mean, Wayne Coyne, well, he let's, seems let's, like let's, kind let's... of a dick, but... You know, I'm not a flaming lips yeah, guy. He is. I think he is. And also they haven't made a good album in almost the entirety of the existence of their arcade <laughs> fire. Um, Yoshimi battles the, the pink robots. Was it right? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. goddamn fucking great record. I will not besmirch it. But ever since then, it's been dis- diminishing returns of best. And you know guys. what? It connects to the show so. because my son would look through my iTunes and be like, what is this song? And Flaming Licks have a song called like David Bowie is dead or David Bowie's dying. And it was a song <laughs> that they wrote like two years before David Bowie died. And uh, I don't understand well, the background of that song, I, but it's pretty I, fucked up. <laughs> they haven't they haven't put out a good album in, dec- in like a decade, but. They uh, Yoshimi's great. And that song, Do You Realize, is a uh, is a, is a beautiful Back, back to Arcade Fire. So they put out the the album Reflector, and they put out the song Reflector, and it is just a. It, the first time I heard this song, I was like, "Oh, new Arcade Fire, great!" And I listened to it, and there's two moments in this song that like 
give me goosebumps to this day. It gave me goosebumps the first time I heard it and knocked me on my behind every time. And uh, that's approximately, I'd say, at the, uh, oh boy, I, I don't know. There's like it, 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 it the, like the five minutes at five minutes in, and then again, like five minutes and 40 seconds in, where it, it, it's, it's the part where the horns kick in, and then the part where the rest of the song just quiets down and there's like a piano plinking. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, Absolutely, it's 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 perfect. It's a great song. Uh, uh, Mark, what do you what do you think of this song? I love this song. It seems like it's seven minutes and thirty four uh, seconds, and I tell you, it, it feels like it just zips right through there. There's so many parts of the song where it feels like oh, okay, they're ending it, and all of a sudden it just kicks up again. Um, yeah, it kicks up. There's a lot of kicking up a notch. There's a long a lot of uh, getting into hyperdrive in this track for me. Absolutely, it's a good driving song. Um, I mean, Dave, you're right. I was right along with you when um, you said it had to be kind of pointed out to me. When I read the fact that David Bowie was on this song, I had to tune my ears a little bit because Wynn sometimes tries to sing a little bit like David Bowie. Uh, they have the same kind of register going. And so, um, you know, once you hear his little part, uh, it's just uh, that gives me goosebumps every single time. That whenever I hear that, uh, thought you were going to bring me to the resurrector, um, that part. And I, that's the only real lyric that he's on. He says it maybe t- two or three times, and then that's all the input that he's really on there. Um, apparently, the reason and how he got on that song, it was just right after the next day came out. And uh, one of the Richard Perry, who's one of the multi instrumentalists on uh, that works with Richard. Uh, uh, with Arcade Fire, um, he basically uh, Bowie just basically came into the studio in New York while they were mixing it just to have a listen to the stuff that we were doing. Uh, he offered to lend his services because he really liked the song. In fact, he basically threatened us. He was like, if you don't hurry up and mix this song, I might just steal it from you. So we thought, well, why don't we go one better? Why don't you sing on our version? Thankfully, he obliged and we were really happy about that. And that would have been funny. Like uh, I would have really liked to hear just David Bowie sing this all by himself. Yeah. 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 What could have been. So there's kind of a cool history with David Bowie in this band. Um, he liked them and, and, and would every, anytime he was interviewed, talk about how much he was into like in them from even from the first album. And then they, um, they actually in 2005, they did a, a series of shows together. Um, and one of them was filmed for something called Fashion Rocks, and you can find it all on YouTube. And it's really worth checking out because it's kind of special in the sense that Bowie didn't really do much 
he still had two albums to put out, but he didn't do much live performance after this. So, and you can see him, he's up there. And for the first time, Bowie's like, looks like an old guy. He looks like an old guy. And he's, he's, and it, 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 in some ways it's sad, but he's so happy to be up there playing with Arcade Fire that it's kind of rad. Um, and they do, yeah. uh, they do a couple Bowie songs. Like they do like Queen Bitch and they do uh, great five years. And then they do some, um, some Arcade Fire songs, uh, but it's worth checking out. And then, um, and then years would go by. And then this, this was kind of like a reunion where he got to, they, they got to get back together and clearly their relationship was, was, was special to, to all, all parties. Yeah, it's cool. No, I, I like that, you know, Bowie really embraced New York and, uh, while they're not a New York band, they were recording in New York in Williamsburg and he just kind of stopped by. And I love that idea of just David Bowie stopping by. You hear stories about that. You, we, we talked about that, like on black star way back when, when he was just stopping by the jazz clubs, you know, and we'll talk about it again next week when I say, Hey, <laughs> I wish that David Bowie would stop by my grocery store. Like in the stars are out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's great. That's a great song. It uh, gives me chills. Uh, I think it might've moved me to tears once or twice. It just, it's a great, great record. Uh, I've never seen them live. I'd like to see them live. Have you seen them live, Mark? I have there. There's something else. I saw them at the Greek theater in Berkeley and That's a good uh, venue for them. it was during the um, tour for the suburbs. No, it was for Reflector. I believe oh, it great. was for Reflector because I do think I saw this song live. Um, Eric, God, Eric, have, I have you not. seen them? They're fantastic. They're quite something else live. Um, I remember back in the day. Was there? Was there... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say back in the day when um, Sigur Rose was really starting to like become known. I remember some nonsense. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who? Sigur Rose. (laughs) How do you... Oh, that's... Where are they from? They're from Iceland. Oh, yes, that's... that. I always get tripped up because if you translate their name, it turns into the most boring band of all time. Anyhow, go ahead. But here's the thing about that band. I think you have seen them live with me twice or maybe just once. I've seen them once. At least... I've seen them at least once. I've I've retroactively as the years go by decided that they bore the shit out of me. But anyhow, but anyhow, <laughs> I mean, like I remember when um, they were really starting to take off. People were talking about how when you see them live, it's a religious experience. And I'm like, OK, I mean, I still hold the first two records in high esteem. Um, actually, the first three. Um, I think that Sigaros uh, have some sweeping melodies, but everything else definitely gets newsy time. It's lullabies and gibberish. But well, I mean, listen, Mark, yeah. listen, we've been friends for years and I know you've seen the movie Nell. You can just watch the movie Nell. <laughs> but musically, there are some moments on Sigur Rose's music that does like it. It it it's it's it affects me. It's pretty. It it's gets pretty. me at it's a level. Pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I'm I saw him at the Fox. Oh, the, I know. The, I the old you. Fox Theater and uh, in Oakland. And you know, it was it was it was beautiful. Uh, but a couple of times I was. I, I didn't know if I was moved or and, and moving into a state of meditation or moving to a no. state of napping. But they, they, but look, they were me, good. look, trust me. The first time I saw him, I saw him at the Warfield and it was standing. And I was like, my feet were dying because it's not one of those things that you kind of move around. The second time mm-hmm. I saw him in Oakland and um, thankfully there were chairs. Yeah. So, yeah, I sat my ass down. 
Um, actually, I prefer sitting down at rock shows. I'm, I am that guy. I like to. Well, you're old. You're old now. Yeah. Old. <laughs> like to enjoy the music rather than have to deal with, you know, fighting to find like a good view. You know. Right. Anyhow, um, but uh, I would liken seeing Arcade Fire as a great community-like experience. Um, mm. I would put it on par with seeing almost Nick Cave live. Ooh. Wow. That's how that's how I feel about uh, Mogwai live, and uh, yeah, and Nick Cave. Um, do I did I make this up? Was there an era where this band, like one of the members, would wear like a helmet that was a bell and they'd hit it with a hammer? Did I make that up? <laughs> Are we talking Arcade Fire? I think you made that yes. up. Maybe they did that <laughs> okay. in a video, but uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like I, can't say that I think I've it's seen a Three that. Stooges sketch. That... <laughs> <laughs> speaking speaking of videos, did you guys watch the video for Reflector? Oh man, it's great. Yeah, Anton Corbin really, yeah. is really cool. Uh, yeah, Anton Corbin. Uh, the band hops in a truck. And drives to a field and one half of the band or no, no, the band is wearing paper mache heads and then they meet themselves in a field Yeah, and they point at each other. And also there's a man walking around with a cowboy hat. That's a human reflector. Yep. Uh, there's a giant disco ball and it is very interesting. And there are moments in it where the paper mache people are controlling the real people and vice versa, their mannerisms. And that also reminds me of the stars are out tonight video, which we'll yeah. talk about next week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, directed by Anton. Oh, I Corbin, love Anton Corbin. Who? Yeah. He's great. Hey, isn't there some, uh, uh, how do we phrase this? Um, I'm not, I can't get cute. What would we call? Uh, let's see. We've got Bowie bulletins. We've got nine inch news. What would we call our Depeche mode? News? Right. What would that uh, be? Oh yeah. Depe- Depe- Depeche uh, Deets. Uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, they have a movie coming out. Yeah, right, it's Eric? coming. To, yeah, Just it's announced? coming to the the locally in the Sacramento. I think it's gonna be like the Studio Grill, but it's a documentary but, of their last tour. I saw them on, but then it, there's like a whole like f- kind of like like they get to know the fans and their trials and tribulation kind of thing interspersed. I think is what it's about, but it looks I, great. I, I love stuff. I love stuff. Uh, it's directed by Anton. Oh Corbin. shit! Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, I love stuff like that. Like I have a uh, a Bruce Springsteen documentary called Bruce and I or Bruce and Me, and it's just fans talking about why the band means so much to them. And I think Depeche Mode's a great band for that because Depeche Mode are very interesting. And to I swear to God, you'd be hard pressed to find a band that appeals to so many different walks of life. Uh, but just Depeche Mode, you've got like Lennox, you know, Eric's yeah. kid, Eric's wife, my wife. Uh, you've got metalheads. You've got goth people. You've got uh, electroheads. You've got teenagers. Yeah. You've yeah, got old gay people. club kids. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, moms, dads. It's 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 yeah. everywhere. They just somehow they managed to just have a sound and be in the right place at the right time that where they've touched people for fucking thirty years now or whatever. Right. And I think that's a, a cool, cool uh, band to have a, a documentary with fans talking about how much they, they mean to them. Yeah. So. Real quick question. Uh, Battle Royale with no follow ups. Two bands enter, one band leaves. It's the Cure I know versus, you're gonna the, ask me. I know, the Cure I, I, versus I knew, Depeche I, Mode. I knew you were going to I knew that was going to be the two. Uh, Who do you Depeche got? Mode. I got I to say Depeche Mode. All right. I say The Cure. Moving on. <laughs> God, that's, no, that's, that's, that's an asshole question, by the way. Uh, 
They're kind of. They're both here's, great. Here's the They're thing. both great. Yeah, they are both great. But I do have to say, if I was stuck in a desert island, I'd probably say The Cure, just because they have such a varying discography with so many different types of sounds. But uh, if I'm going to be honest and just say, who do I listen to more? It's Depeche Mode. Right. I, I consider The Cure one of my favorite bands, but a little Cure goes along. Big guy, I see. see, I could bounce around Cure's discography, but I tend to nestle in uh, only in a certain era of Depeche Mode. So that's why I would say The Cure just a little bit more for me. I'd say The Cure, yeah, the late, Cure, late the Cure has the more high highs, but they have lower lows. Depeche Mode has a couple low lows, but they have a their their consistency is a little bit better than The Cure, even with their their modern stuff. Agree to well, disagree. I mean, I love Depeche <laughs> Mode, but I just some of the early stuff. Um, it's uh, it's a little too. You don't, you don't like um, dancing to a, upstairs at Eric to, uh, c- to construction time again? Come on, but come on, buddy. <laughs> I'm not saying they're not. Gra- the, grab the, a wrench and start banging on some pipes. <laughs> <laughs> no trust me i will say both bands are fantastic early, early cure has a mystique and an allure to it that it's hard to put my finger on that i love um and i love the low fineness of some early cure exactly I, I could go if i think about it enough i might change my answer uh anyhow this has become quite a sprawling conversation uh, i know i didn't i was just trying to do a quick one fire like <laughs> Go with your gut. Well, let's get you know. Let's right. get to our let's get to our top five night, which is top five guest appearances. Which you know Eric's going to lead off with that time that Robert Smith guest appeared on uh, Susie and the Banshees, the glove. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to try to think of something funny, but that's a real thing, isn't it? That is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's not on my list. Yeah. Oh, so, I'm- so top top five top five guest mm-hmm. appearances, of course, influenced by. Uh, the David Bowie being on reflector. And I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I got really loosey goosey with what I consider a guest appearance. So no hold, no hold bards here tonight. Um, you I'll start. All right. You start. I will start. Okay. My number five is, uh, it might be uh, recency bias because I've been going through a big Wu Tang yeah. thing lately, but my, my number five is, uh, uh, OMD or OMG, what the fuck? ODB <laughs> orchestra ODB. maneuvers in the dark. Old dirty bastard on uh, Pros's, uh, get see, we're gonna have to wait to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no kidding. Okay. We're gonna have to wait. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's great. I'm glad we were on the same wavelength there. So then Eric, since you're yeah. talking now, you get to be your number. All five. right. My number five was, and I did these, these are all songs I like a lot. I didn't give it the, there may be better ones in my discography, but these are ones I just felt like would be fun to talk about. So, um, you know, Daft Punk is great. Um, their album, uh, what was it called? Um, their, uh, what's the, uh, the, the, what's the last album they put out? Um, uh, ra- random, random access, access memories. Yeah, or random, something. exactly. Random access memories is the, it, you know, produced by now Rogers. It's, their most, I, I, it's not my favorite Daft Punk album at all. There's, it's very bloated with guests, but I do love the song that he does with Noah Lennox from Panda Bear. Panda Bear is a, a group that I like quite a bit. Um, as far as like, you know, he's in this band Animal Collective, and he wanted to do this own his own like almost electronic meets Brian Wilson harmonies kind of kind of uh, project where it's just all based around like a loop. Uh, vocal sample and builds on it and builds on it to something I wouldn't say danceable, but something like very 
very late night in like the come down room in a club um kind of kind of situation um and daft punk used used him perfectly on that album as far as uh they were both doing the exact same thing with that song um and it's uh called doing it right and uh i enjoy that i enjoy that that guest appearance that that uh was the high point of that album for me great song it's a great album um my god that that get lucky that was the that was a summertime hit i hadn't heard since the likes of outcast <laughs> yeah yeah that was a phenomenon yeah that's a good that's a good good choice eric and a very uh out of left field and i do like the fact that you brought up animal collective tonight because i think talking about animal collective in the same episode as tv on the radio Arcade Fire, hell, we might as well bring up Vampire Weekend right now. Kind of all uh, same, same time, same place yeah. kind of bands. If anybody needs a, a conv- convince convincing on a panda bear, check out the Person Pitch EP, the first one. It's not for everybody. It is very much indie noise sample loops uh, with dance music and like Aphex Twin in mind, but uh, not in the way you think. So, but it's it's a great little EP. All right, Mark. I guess I will go next. Um, so my number five, uh, this track uh, comes off a record that has a, uh, a variety of guest appearances, but uh, it's certainly one that I really, really enjoy. And that is Where the Wild Roses Grow with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and Kylie Minogue uh, from the album Murder Ballads. Chef's kiss. I almost chef's kiss. Yes, I almost 
I almost picked a song off that album, but I didn't. But uh, yes, it was. Uh, There's a few different. It was a toss-up. Few different choices on that. Yeah, album. Henry Lee or this one um, are are fantastic. But I I gave it to Where the Wild Roses Grow. Um, it's just a great little murder ballad. Um, the video for it is beautiful. Um, where Kylie Minogue and Nick Cave just their vocal performances both really work off of each other. Um, it's just a great song. I don't. It's a beautiful song with great string arrangements. Um, live, uh, obviously, when they do play this, um, or when they have played it in the past, when Blixa Bargeld was still in the band, um, he would do Kylie's part. Um, but I love this song. It's beautiful. Yeah, and she's um, she's somebody that if you only heard her songs, you might write off. Um, obviously, she's a massive talent in pop music, but if that's not your style, then you wouldn't necessarily know that. When you hear her sing on these these Nick Cave songs, it's beautiful. Like, there's, it's undeniable. She's like a she's a force. She's great. I mean, I'm uh, I know. Yeah, she, of course, she did the locomotion. That was what she really came on the scene with back in the uh, probably the 80s. Right. Um, but I'm a big fan of that one song. Uh, Can't get you out of my head. It's a modern pop song, but it's fucking catchy. Right, right. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I like that song. She will, uh, not she, he, uh, by the time this is on the internet, Nick Cave and the Bad Seed will have had That's right. Out. Ghost. I'm looking forward Ghost to it. Teen. We get one. We get one. With a cover week. that looks like it was a screenshot from the film Legend. Looks beautiful. Looks beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a good song. I mean, that also uh, that album also has um, what I was actually going to pick, but I didn't. Is the closer? Oh, death which is, is death is not the Bob end. <laughs> yeah, it's just a got, rotating subway car of people on there. Yeah, Kylie's on it. Uh, PJ Harvey's on it. Uh, Blixa sings. A is verse, Shane is Shane on and there? And to bring him up, I was going to say. To bring it up again, friend of the show, Shane McGowan. I don't know when he became a friend of the show, but he is. Uh, and that's not the last time you'll hear about Shane McGowan Ooh. tonight. Uh, he's on it. I uh, I love that. That That's a great closing track. Uh, yeah. It's a great album. Uh, good good choice, man. Thank you. So my next one is, I might be into Mark territory. We'll find out. Maybe not. It's kind of cheating. It's Scott Kelly plus Neurosis period um scott kelly or i'm sorry scott kelly plus mastodon period oh okay uh, cool yeah uh, scott kelly has guested on every mastodon album except for their original ep he uh he's one of the two lead singers of neurosis it's scott kelly and steve on till neurosis is one of my all-time favorite bands i have a neurosis tattoo I've, I've drugged, I'm sure both of you guys have seen them at one point or I've another. never seen Neurosis, uh, so I'm still waiting for you to drag me one. Oh, you, you took right. me. Well, that was an it. amazing show. Yeah. That's, a, that's on the bucket list then, Mark. I'll make it happen, even though you don't go to shows anymore. Uh, it's true. And and it, it, Mastodon is a... Mastodon, I know you've seen, Mark. I don't know if it was with me or without me. I have not seen Mastodon live. I've Jesus. met the guys. They came and did a in-store <laughs> at, at Dimple, but I didn't get to get tickets to the show. It was already sold out. All right. So take Mark to see Mastodon and Neurosis. Okay. On the list. Anyhow, Scott Kelly guest appearances on all their albums except for their first EP. He, he usually comes in, and he won't just like do backup vocals on a chorus. He'll usually come in, and they'll give him a verse. Or... 
they'll do like a crazy like bridge section where he just comes in and says some menacing, crazy, awesome stuff. Um, he, he's he has a voice that fits perfectly with their music, and I just I think that it's awesome because Mastodon, the members of Mastodon were all in like old aggro crust metal bands. Uh, some of them were for like in Today Is the Day, and some of those bands used to tour with neurosis back in the day. So as Mastodon became very popular and they really are a popular band. Um, I think it's great. They kept this connection with Scott Kelly this entire time. Uh, so that, that's that. And, and, and Mark, I know you agree with me. Those songs are awesome. Oh yeah. They're great. I, uh, some of the Mastodon's later work, um, I've been sleeping on, but, uh, their little elemental albums, uh, are, are phenomenal. They're great. If you were if you were to pick one to so, to focus in on, I would say the title track off the album "Crack the Sky" is the best example. That's actually probably my one. I think that is my favorite Mastodon album, Crack the Sky. So good. It's a good album. Even I can attest to that one as a great album. Yeah. Yeah. It's only like five or six songs, but it's an hour long and it never feels like a chore to get through. Uh, They they managed to have the songs be uh, the movements in each song make it so you're never checking your watch. Yeah. Eric. All right. So I did try to be careful with my hip hop here because almost every hip hop song is a guest appearance. But I did I did put two on here. Um, This first one, Steve, we're not we're not quite a ghetto superstar yet. This uh, this first one I put on um, was a a hip hop supergroup that everybody knows about called Run the Jewels. Their second album. They uh, and we know that's Killer Mike, who had his own kind of career as a southern rapper and LP who was a noisy, <laughs> almost industrial hip hop producer from Brooklyn who ran Def Jux, got yes, together. We've, we've mentioned yeah. we've mentioned them before in the show. Yeah. We've mentioned LP numerous times. Yeah. Run the Jewels is definitely a friends to Mark, Steve, and Eric's show. Right. Yeah. And uh, but when they brought on Zach Delaroca for what would essentially be their mission statement song, Close Your Eyes and Count to Fuck, where he basically got to say the name of the band over and over again. Run them jewels fast, run them, run them jewels fast, run them. That that song gets stuck in my head all the time. It's a great and he gets a great verse on it. So Zach De La Roca gets gets the gets the chorus and then he gets he gets the hook and then he gets a verse where he says uh, the only thing closing uh, faster than the cast gets is a factory, which is a great a great line. Um, anyways, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a great song and it's a great appearance by uh, by somebody who always should have been a hip hop superstar. <laughs> Running, 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 running,
my resume, your residence is residue. Color skin job, and my honey dick will backflip for you. You playing God, your eye socket, she gon' rip it too. We sick of bleeding out a tray, spraying victim you. Dumb dying, fill up 8K dicking you. With clips in the bottom, we dipping from Gotham. Yes, eclipsed by the shadows, a dark dance to the coffin. I'm a fellow with melanin, suspect of a felony. Rip like rock in my law, fans is checking my melody. Yes, aggressively tested with bump stretches and penalties. Um, cases we're facing a cop, please, when we season a pump. We're freezing a dump on you, global grand dragons. Still piling fast bucks, Afghani toe tagging. Now they tracking me, yeah, we busting back. Yes, uh, we've discussed Zach DeLaRocca and his disappearance from the musical world and how much it sucks before when we talked about how for years it was rumored that Trent Reznor is going to produce an entire album of his. That would have been something. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he, he's, a, he's a voice that's dearly missed. Whenever he pops up, I love it. Yeah. And I, I know I'm not the only one of us that's had a Rage Against the Machine revival in the last few years. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that song's great. And his, uh, yeah, his verse... <laughs> it's really great. Yeah. Uh, good, good choice. I'm looking forward to run the jewels for whenever it comes out. That's right. All right. My next, uh, entry, it's a, uh, record that also does feature, um, quite a few, uh, different guest vocalists as well. It doesn't have this artist band project, whatever you want to call it really doesn't have a, uh, designated lead singer by any means. But um, this is off the first Uncle album, Science Fiction, and it's the closing track, Rabbit in Your Headlights, featuring Tom York from Radiohead. God, that's such a fucking perfect Good answer. Choice. I didn't even think of Good it. Good choice. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, man, I'm in, I, 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 I'm stepping on you here, but let me just get it out. I remember seeing that video for the first time. It was in the heyday of uh, Stephen and Mark teenage friendship. And, uh, but I wasn't with you. I was at my parents' house while they were in Hawaii. And I was the weird kind of kid that would rather have my entire family go to Hawaii without me. That was my vacation, being away from them. <laughs> and, um, I was watching M2 one day and that video came on and my God, that just uh, got the guy walking through the, 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 the tunnel with cars passing by him as he mutters. And at the end of the, at the climax of the song, it slows down and he gets hit by a car and it's uh yeah. The car shatters against him. Well, he takes his parka off and cause as he's wearing the parka and just kind of muttering to himself, um, and uh, as soon as he keeps just getting hit by cars and cars are veering around him and then he takes the parka off and he just spreads his uh, arms and then the car hits him and the car just kind of explodes. Um, that was directed by Jonathan Glazer, um, who I believe directed the film Sexy Beast. 
No, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of some the other one that actually spells it with an S. Uh, but anyways, great song, great closer. Has a sample from the He did, he did the direct film. the movie Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Oh, right. oh I see. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but it has a little sample in there from Jacob's Ladder. Um, Di- uh, Danny Aiello's part where he's <laughs> talking to Tim Robbins. Um, and uh, That's a crazy movie. <laughs> it's a crazy That's movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, one time, friend of the show and I, Jason Hellwell again, we decided to take a, a couple of... Uh, Magic magic tickets to Wonderland brain fuel. And the movies we decided to watch that night were Dirty Harry and Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> Bad night. Oh, wow. I mean, Dirty Harry, I could see that. But Jacob's Ladder, man, you got to lock the windows and doors, you know? <laughs> um, you know, they remade it. What, Jacob's Ladder? They did. Oh, wow, I where? remember hearing about this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, to, you know, the probably straight to DVD or the red box. Didn't uh, the review I read was not kind. It seemed like an incredibly unnecessary remake. Right. Um, that's a great choice though, Mark, uh, that album entire, I, uh, what, what else did uncle do? Anything else? Um, they, uh, so on this album, they also had one, uh, with the lead singer from the verve, um, lonely soul. That song is oh, something else yeah, too. Um, but the, they did an album, uh, was their third record and it had uh, a lot of input from Joshua Hame and it ha- even had Ian Asbury in a couple songs. Um, I can't remember the name of that. I know exactly what the album cover looks like. Uh, but he, there's a video starring Eric Bana, uh, called burn, uh, my shadow. Um, that's a great song too. Um, but I, yeah, I recommend uh, their first record, science fiction, and their third record, uh, which I can't remember the name of it at this time. <laughs> um, well, it's not a, it's not a test. Good radio. War <laughs> stories, war <laughs> stories. There it is. Yeah, nice. That's a. Those are great records. All right, uh, my number three. Are we in the three now? Yep, my we're three. on three. Yep. All right. Before I go to my number three, I do want to mention that uh, an entire album that I left off that I that I could have used any track from was the Melvins. Uh, was it Crybaby? Which was each song was the Melvins with a different vocalist. Yeah, is that the right one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you had uh, Mike Patton was on it. Hank Three was on it. Fotis uh, Fetus was on it. Leaf Garrett was on it. Mm-hmm. So it's a good record. David Yao from the Jesus Lizard. <clears throat> but anyhow, that's my honorable mention that I mixed right into the middle of the list because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> there you my go. number three. My number three is one that either of you guys could have picked, and maybe you will. It's uh, Smothered Hope, played live by Ministry with Ogre on vocals. So that's 
That's from the album, In Case You Didn't Feel Like Showing Up, which I also owned on VHS tape. And it's Ministry Live from the Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste tour. And they had Chris Connolly with them and Ogre, I believe, on that tour. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, any videos you can see from that era where they have the big chain link fence like set up in front of the stage so people just climb on it and jump off. Um, so much energy in that tour. It just sounded, they were just, they sounded so good. Yeah. It's, it's a great tour. It, it, and that, it, that it song, seemed, that particular they, song is awesome. And here in Ministry Do It, it's great. Yeah. They seem very dangerous at the time, they seem like a, a force of nature. And they took one of my favorite Skinny Puppy songs, got the lead singer of Skinny Puppy with them, and they put a different spin on it altogether. It's uh, there's no, it's not, it's just kind of like a driving rock song when they do it. They replace the the synth with a driving guitar line, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite songs. Period. Either version of Smothered Hope, but uh, if you. Either any way you slice it, Smothered Hope is a great song. Ministry's cover of it with Ogre on it is a great, uh, different way to look yeah. at it. That's beautiful. So and it, it's definitely it's reflective list. of a community of industrial music at that time where there was a lot of cross pollinating going on. And uh, it didn't last long, but there was some some serious collaboration between the two, uh, you know, the two groups. And uh, it's just kind of awesome to, to see that little snapshot of that time. Yeah, that's actually. That's part of why I picked it. I felt like I needed to represent the industrial uh, community from the late 80s, early 90s somehow. So right. I thought that was the best way. Yeah. What's your next one, Eric? So my number three is I was trying to figure out Tom Waits is going to come into here somehow, whether it was going to be Tommy the Cat or um, something along those lines. But uh, I actually picked a Tom Waits song that guess somebody else. Um, actually, his song with Keith Richards, the closer to Bone Machine called That Feel. It's a noisy song. It's pretty much just Keith Richards or, or I don't even know if Keith, I think it's actually Tom Waits playing guitar in that song. It's a, and it's just Keith Richards and Tom Waits howling to the moon <laughs> about, about just like, uh, essentially the, just knowing what your point of, of existence is just that, 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 that need to know that knowledge and uh, the percussion is a chair. You can hear like a rickety old wooden chair just squeaking in the background as somebody's playing guitar and they're howling. And it's a uh, it's a beautiful little song. And uh, and uh, Keith Richards uh, sounds like a man that has been living on borrowed time for three decades. <laughs> and it's beautiful. He's and it fits the theme that. of the song perfectly. Yeah. And he's still on borrowed time, but he's pulled it off. Good, good for yeah. him. Yeah. 
So it's a it's a it's a great little clo- album closer to Bone Machine, which is one of my favorite Tom, Tom Waits songs. That's a great album. Yeah, I am I'm a little unfamiliar with that particular song, but uh, when I uh, go to revisit it, I'm sure that I'll agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, it's just, it's definitely just one of those one of those uh, yeah singing in a cave. Uh, so very simple, simple yeah. song. So yeah. All right, so my number three choice. Uh, the day has finally come for me to talk about a U2 song. <laughs> yes! I've <laughs> been waiting. <laughs> oh, I can't. Oh, what's it going to be? Oh, this is great. All right. <laughs> and that song feature, uh, it's the, uh, the closing track on the 1993 record Zuropa featuring Johnny Cash. It's The Wanderer. I went out walking through streets paved with gold lifted some stones saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul I went out walking under an atomic sky where the ground won't turn and the rain it burns like the tears when I said goodbye yeah I went Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering um, I love that song um, So Bono is just doing the oohs and ahs And a little background vocals um, And Johnny Cash is doing the entire song um, And it's about Uh the lyrics describe a man who's searching for God in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, and it's just a very un Johnny Cash type song. There's no acoustic guitar. It's all just synth burbles. It's just all electronic rock. Um, Zeropa was definitely U2's um, uh, kind of trying to do something a little different. It was a good bridge between uh, Octune Baby and then what came after Zeropa was Pop. And this was them trying to be as experimental as possible. Uh, the producers were Flood, who uh, worked with Trent Reznor, uh, Brian Eno, who obviously worked with David Bowie, and uh, The Edge was also one of the producers. This is the album that also featured the song Numb, Lemon, um, so this was them really trying to do something very different from what they, what that signature sound of U2 is. And then bringing in Johnny Cash, uh, Bono was always of the mind that he wanted, uh, when he wrote the song, he imagined Johnny Cash singing it. And uh, come to find out that Johnny Cash actually performed this song on at least one occasion in 1993 in August at the Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley. What? Can you believe no. that? I swear to God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I just went to that fair. <laughs> yeah. Apparently in 93, that, Johnny Cash that, was that, doing actually, the fair circuit. So he, he performed that at, at that fairgrounds. To put us in the time and place. I went to that fair the same day that we did the Tin Machine episode and broke Mark's brain. So <laughs> yeah. it was recently. I, I go to that fair every year, too. That's that's hilarious. Oh, man, that would have been that would have been insane. Uh, so that, that's probably just a couple years off of his chicken and black 
<laughs> nah, Chicken Scott Black Jack. was about a decade before that. Oh, okay. okay. Um, <laughs> that is cool, though. Mark, I, I I think I've listened to that album, but I can't remember a Johnny Cash song, so I definitely will check that out. It's also... I always hear about that one being a kind of bonkers album. I, I actually am pretty interested in listening it's to it. That, that, lem- that, that has Lemon on it, right? It, Lemon's a great song. It has Lemon. It has Numb. Um, it has the song Zeropa, which is a cool little opening track. Um but uh, yeah, this is it's it's not a great album by any means. It's an OK album with like some really high highs and some really middling areas. So I'm not going to say that this is their masterpiece, but it is absolutely interesting. Um, and sometimes you'll actually find um, The Wanderer even featured on some of the Johnny Cash compilations like the essential Johnny Cash. It's on there. It's on the legend of Johnny Cash. Um, so because he's pretty much front and center with you two kind of just providing the background. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. And uh, thank you for letting me talk about you two for a second. <laughs> yeah, man. Honorable, honorable Mark, whenever you want to talk about you two, we're here for you. And honorable mentions that I didn't even think of Eric is definitely Nashville skyline. If I was thinking correctly, it would have been holy shit. A girl from North Country. That song yeah. is uh, glorious. Yeah, that's 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 okay. Bob Dylan and Johnny Cash, and that's yeah. that was my gateway into becoming a Bob Dylan fan. Apparently, the next uh, Bob Dylan bootleg box set is going to be all of the session outtakes from his Johnny Cash se- se- sessions. So that'll that's, be cool. That's fun. Uh, I think you're am I next or you next? You're next. You're, you're next, Stephen. Okay. So we talked about Tom Waits already tonight, and you guys knew this was coming. Uh, we've talked about Primus in the show before. Um, the album this is from was Antipop, which was a bad album at worst, a middling album at best. I can't think of any other song off that album, a Primus album, uh, that came out in 1999, I think. Yeah. Besides, besides the closer, which is on the coattails of a dead man, she rides. The good tales of a dead man she rides. On the good tales of a dead man she rides. On the good tales of a dead man she rides. She rides. On the good tales of a dead man she rides. She rides. It's a great song. You, guys, you remember that song? Okay. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think I would agree with you. I think that's the only one of the only songs besides the title track that I really and Lacquerhead. I am. I am the anti-pop. I run against the grain till the day that I drop. Yeah. <laughs> See, <But>. Okay. <laughs> so maybe you, got, you might have three songs on the album worth remembering. The title. The, the but this is the best one, is, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. And it sounds like a Tom Waits song. Um, it's uh, it's syrupy. It's it, it, it sounds like you're floating down a swamp and it's got Les Claypool singing what a lot of people have assumed might be Courtney Love. Uh, I could sailing see on sailing on the coattails of a Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. And then you just got just uh, the chorus is Tom Waits. It just go on the coattails of a dead man. She rides, she rides, and it's 
It's wonderful. It's a great song. Uh, uh, that yeah, and it's and their their relationship is great because I mean Les Claypool and and even like Tim Alexander and Larry, they've all played on Primus albums. I mean T- Tom Waits albums in the past too. Yeah, so it's it's a, it sounds like a pirate song. It's a great song, and it's it makes a, a really bad album. It, it, it Rising Tide lifts all boats. That that song justifies that album's existence in my book. Yeah, that, that's a great. I mean, uh, that's yeah. probably my the worst Primus album out there. Uh, well, I wouldn't say the worst. I mean, uh, I don't really get much out of the Saturating Seven or the Willy Wonka album. I mean, they're curiosities, yeah. but they're definitely. I'd probably listen like to Anti Pop more than those two. I don't know, man. It's just it's 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 a shame we even got to talk this way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely. Uh, as much yeah. as I hold Primus in high esteem. Um, the output in the recent years has has slid in terms of quality. Really, the, the, yeah. You can't you can't beat the 1990s when it comes to that band, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Didn't Fred Durst produce part of that album? Lacquerhead, just the, the song Lacquerhead. Yeah, yeah. And it okay. sucks. That song's <laughs> okay. terrible. Probably about as good as the movie he just directed with John Travolta. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eric, what's your number two? Uh, my number two. Now we can talk about it, Steve. Ghetto Superstar by Praz and and uh, Maya featuring ODB in one of the best guest spots in hip hop history. I'm paranoid at the things I say. Wondering what's the penalty from day to day. I'm hanging out partying with girls that never die. The seals picking on the small fries. My campaign telling lies. I was just spreading my love. Didn't know my love was the one holding the gun in the glove. Well, it's all good as long as it's understood. It's all together now in the hood. Yes, so goddamn good. Uh, yes, I've, I've I've been going through a uh, Wu Tang Renaissance lately. Much to me too. Eric's. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yes, Eric. Well, Eric, you never. You're always in a Wu Tang Renaissance. It's always. I, uh, yeah, but I, I I've kind of not not d- dipped my toes back in for a little while now. But uh, that after thanks to Mark's uh, password, <laughs> the, the Showtime documentary is amazing it just yeah. it just you could not i cannot say enough good things about it so yeah, good. yeah. the showtime documentary is called of mikes and men and we both watched it thanks to mark and uh yeah eric was my gateway to wu-tang when i was younger and he's always who i go to for suggestions in my uh now and this <laughs> the, uh the, this song <laughs> uh, this song I, I i mean we all know this song this song I don't think I appreciated it that much back in the nineties because I wasn't in the right spot for it. But, uh, over the last, as an older adult, I just think it's a beautiful track. And I think it showcases what was so special about, uh, old dirty bastard, which exactly. was, yes, he had his kind of, uh, free style associative rapping abilities, but also he could carry a You know, he could carry a tune too. Um, yeah. Uh, so what's funny about this song is that the rest of the song doesn't sound anything like Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang, what, what made them great was their grimy RZA production that would had like Kung Fu samples in it and like noisy breakbeats. Um, and uh, 
and this is like a, this is produced by Wyclef Jean. It's a um, it's a uh, total pop banger for like '90s hip hop. It was on the Bullworth soundtrack, if you will. Um, great film. <laughs> and, he tells uh, it like it is, Pro- right? Yeah, he he tells it like it is. And Proz was was Wyclef's protege, and this was off his solo, solo album, and then and then was on the Bullworth soundtrack, which is what made the video. This is where they made the video for the album. And then Maya singing this uh, this uh, Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers song as the hook, the ghetto superstar, that is what you are. It's the, to the same melody as um, something in the... God damn it. Steve, you should know this. What's the Dolly Parton I, song? I don't. Fix it in post, Mark. <laughs> Islands in the stream. There you go. Islands in the stream. Yep, that's what I was looking for. Islands in the stream. And uh, it's 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 totally, totally catchy. But when ODB shows up, I'm paranoid at the things I say. And he's just like shaking and all over the album. And uh, and he's like, you know, uh, I'm trying to find out what's really going on in the streets. Uh, it's great. And then, yeah, he gets to sing and howl over the over the the. And she's got a very like Maya's got yeah, a very pretty her, her voice part in the chorus is she's going get a superstar. And you hear him in the background going get a superstar. And it's just oh, yeah. It and he's doing so that whole thing. Such <laughs> an interesting individual. He yeah. was fucking special. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that documentary shows the sad kind of journey. Like he is so much energy and he is so funny and he's such like a hype man for Wu-Tang. And then these cops like, arrest him for having a gun, which he'd never had a gun. He wasn't actually a gangster at all. He was like the only one out of Wu-Tang that wasn't a criminal. Like he was not, he was not a gangster at all. And they totally like locked him up because they thought his cell phone was a gun. And, uh, and that you see him after he goes to prison that time, he gets very serious, very sullen. And he just, and then he, then when he's in prison for a decade, he gains like 150 pounds and um, he comes out of it with no sense of humor at all. And it's very sad. It's very interesting. Look at the uh, penal system as part of that, that, that his trajectory, but yeah, the song is great. It was only like four or five years, but still a long time. That's right. Um, Yeah. It's still, it felt like a decade. It felt like a decade to fans. No, (laughs) I'll never forget when I read that he broke out to join Wu-Tang on stage and then got a, and then then the cops caught him in a, uh, in a McDonald's uh, drive-through. Yeah. That's in the documentaries. They have the footage of that concert where he comes and he's like, they don't even know I'm here now. Uh, <laughs> no, Wu Tang was awesome, and uh, so was ODB. And yeah, this is a I good choice. <laughs> strongly suggest that one day, Mark or Eric, you make a a, a mix a mix list that that even Mark could appreciate because uh, yeah. uh, there there are some gems in there to be to be had. I have some yeah. Wu Tang in my uh, my library. I just. Uh, Never have gotten around to just listen to full length albums uh, in one shot, but when they do show up on the shuffle, I I rarely skip it. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, and the cool thing about that 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 song in particular is I I do think that the late '90s, looking back, was such a great time for uh, pop music. I really do, and I I think that that's a perfect example of it, um, especially popular hip hop. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Like. Oh, these people are actually rapping verses. Like when you hear mainstream rap now, it's it's often sing songy, and you know they're not giving more than a couple bars of actual rapping. It's it's kind of weird. So, anyways, that's me. That's me on my porch shaking my my uh, cane at, at at the at the new rappers out there. But yeah, all right. Okay, was that your number two or your number one? That was my number two. 
All right, so then we're on. I'm on number two, number yeah. All right, so Mark's number two. My number two. Okay. Um, so uh, this collaboration uh, was done in between uh, this band lost their vocalists and they were kind of in between getting their second one. So they decided to call up a ringer and that EP became known as Irony is a Dead Scene by the Dillinger oh, Escape yeah. Plan with Mike Patton. I took that off my uh, my second revision of my list. Yes, I, I thought you might have it on there. Yeah, it's it's so good. Four tracks. The thing is less than twenty minutes. Even one song is a uh, cover from Aphex Twin, "Come to Daddy." My favorite song off the record is uh, "Pig Latin." Um, that one is uh, just it. It's got that kinetic energy of the um math core whatever you want to call Dillinger escape plan with uh the frenetic um vocal stylings of Mike Patton it all works for me um but a uh, big fan of that little collaboration between these two artists the uh the song on there that kicks my ass is when good dogs do bad things yeah it's a good one too it's it's got some of that yeah i love it when mike patton slows down and does like the crime scene voice, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. And it definitely has that part where it just slows down and he's, he's, he's like describing like it's, it's slow day <laughs> in a diner. Yes. A fly over there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I love that shit. And I love Mike Patton. I love Dillinger escape plan. We've discussed in the show before how Dillinger escape plan left the stage while they were still great, which I think is awesome. And, uh, you never get enough Mike Patton. So yeah, not that was the I first that. Mike Mike Patton album I bought because I just was late to the game on everything else. And then I heard his cover of Come to Daddy by Aphex Twin on that EP. And I had to I had I had to I had to pick it up. And then that kind of t- took me in a No, that's not true. That's not true. I had Mr. Bungle back in the nineties, but it did take me on a Phantom Moss route after that. Yeah, it's a it's a great little I, EP. I remember the uh, day that album came out came out listening to it with Maybe Eric, but definitely Josh Daniker and Chris Timmerman at the Roseville Dimple. Uh, after hours. Sure. Uh, we're very excited that it came out. And also, should I think we, it was Should cool. we say rest in peace to Dimple? Because this was their last weekend of existence. Oh, yeah. Jen's oh. been... Uh, there's. I have a whole bunch of empty store pictures that Jen has been showing me. Um, <laughs> yep. Uh, today was officially... Or tomorrow was officially the last day for her. And, uh, yeah, if anyone out there 
uh, worked or has worked for Dimple. Um, you know, it's a special place. It's the three of us where the height of our powers or Holy Trinity kind of came together. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there with a lot of bitterness to the company and this and that, but I got to say there was more good times than bad times. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. No, did more, did more good than bad. Some of our lifelong friends we made there and, uh, had some great, uh, cus- returning customers that I always like seeing. And, yeah. uh, I got to work with some real weirdos and I mean that in a, an affectionate way. Yep. Uh, yeah. Definitely, I met, I met half my friends there and I met my wife there. Yeah. It's, I it's say so- the same, man. I say the same. Yep. I mean, uh, even when I, like, I, I, I look back upon dealings with, let's just call him Randy. And I, I like, I love having those memories, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Right. I, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's great. And just imagine this, dear listeners, you could have just been hearing these exact same conversations by a bunch of people on the clock ringing you up for a CD <laughs> at any given night of the week. Cause I'm sure we've had them before. <laughs> Speaking of getting paid, let me bring up our Patreon. Um, <laughs> No, uh, one thing I want to say also about this Mike Patton, the Dillinger Escape Plan album is I think it made them comfortable with going in a more melodic direction with their next vocalist. And I think that was a good thing. Yeah, I I really do feel like this was the rough draft for Miss Machine. I think that was their their one follow up and uh, their new singer. uh, I think that they took what Mike Patton could do and they're like, this guy can kind of give us that sound as well, along with what Dimitri used to do. So, yep. yeah, Greg Pucciato, something like that. Yeah. All right. My number one is uh, <clears throat> this is this is on brand for me. And we just talked about this band recently and we'll talk about them now again, which is Christy McCall on the Pogues fairy tale of New York. probably my favorite christmas time song um i think it's it's just it's a wonderful song it's just her and shane mcgowan singing to each other they're playing the role of a couple of lovers that are kind of having a spat but also really love each other and um I, I, there's not much i need to say about it we all what you both are familiar with the fairy tale of new york even mark of is course. a big folks guy yeah correct of course yeah uh no i've never i, I mean i probably uh have heard it but I probably just can't put the title to the song. Okay. I'll, I'll send you a clip as soon as we're done here. Eric, you you're familiar, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely, it's, it's kind of been done before, but it's like a back and forth where they're each just kind of, they're kind of having their argument in the song. Um, but it's great. Yeah. It's a, it's a great little, great little song. No, it's a very romantic song. And, uh, it actually was quoted in the comic book preacher. Preacher is what got me into the Pogues uh, in a couple of different places. Garth Ennis quoted the Pogues. 
And there's a time, there's a part in the comic book where Jesse and Tulip are talking to each other. And Jesse says, uh, I built my dreams around you, which is a line from the song where, you know, she says, it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of, he says that like, I took your, I took your dreams from you and I built my dreams around them <coughs> line. And, uh, yeah. that's a great song. It's a, I, I just think it's, it's soaring and it's very, there's, there's something about it that always gets me. Uh, and whenever it's Christmas time, the song just fits for me. So, and it's a, it's a Pogue song and Christy McCall, she's uh, passed away years ago. She's the guest vocalist on it. And it's probably my favorite guest appearance. Nice. I'll be sure to check that out. Uh, My number one, I've mentioned before, I almost got kicked out of a book club for picking this album on the same day (laughs) I picked. I picked uh, Drop Dead Fred, but Pig Faces Gub has a song called Suck with Trent Reznor. I still love uh, this version of this song so much. I listen to it weekly. Um, <laughs> really? It's a, you, listen, you listen to Pig Face once a week? N- no, this song, not the whole album. The whole <laughs> the whole album, though, is something to behold. It's produced by Steve Albini, uh, and it's a project that's run by Martin Atkins, who's who's just been in and around all the industrial of the eighties and nineties. Um, but the cool uh, thing hold is, on, hold, stop, stop the. I'm, yeah. I'm cutting you off. This is yeah. important. I'm going to let you keep talking, though. Speaking of Martin Atkins, Eric, tell us all about that new KMFDM album you've listened to. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it fantastic? Is it just going to the top of Ugh. 2019? Um, They're just I just don't know. They're just a different band now. It's just it's just Sasha and his wife and like kill motherfucker, kill, kill motherfucker. That was the first song on it. But it's got a Trump. It's got this Trump sample where Trump goes beep bonk, and it just they just put that over the beat. <laughs> that's that's that that happens in that that. Uh, uh, anyways, it's 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 ridiculous. But there there are some moments that are, you're like, oh yeah, and then there's like uh, a lot of reggae on the new KMFDM album. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. Uh, hey, but that that Raymond Watts song was okay. It, yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It's nice. It's always nice to hear old Raymond Watts, old Father Pig. Uh, give us the lard. But um, anyways, this uh, Pig Face album Gub is a hard listen. There's maybe three fully realized songs amongst a lot of mess, but it's Steve Albini produced mess. So it's if you like that kind of harsh, uh, trudging garage rock kind of thing, but done by industrial artists, that's Pig Face Gub. It's like it's all the who's who of 80s and 90s industrial, but no real electronics it's all like tape machines and live drums live bass live guitar and uh the uh, the highlight of that album is trent reznor singing on suck it's just like the nine inch nails version on broken 
uh, lyrically, but the rest is very minimalistic. It's drums, huge toms, and a bass guitar. It slowly brings in a, in a real in a, an electric guitar and a tape player rewinding, and it's just a it's a very cool minimalistic track that I'm crazy about. So that's my number one. Pretty cool. All right. So this next uh, track that uh, I put as my number one, kind of talked a little bit about uh, this band a little earlier. Um, This song is not as good as the Wild Stallions version of God Gave Rock and Roll, (laughs) but it's still my all time number one artist collaboration. And that would be Tommy the Cat with Tom Waits. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it's on there, folks. I, I love Tommy the Cat. So before I got on mic, uh, I made sure to kind of go through my top five and um, just to kind of make sure, you know, put put this, this into into stone. And this song uh, is just so fantastic. It's on Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Um, I, I love this song. Uh, it's the video for it is bonkers. Um, and it's got Les Claypool. Uh, dressed up as an old-timey bartender, and it's got some animated cats, and you've got Tom Waits um, just really telling the story of him being Tommy the Cat and I say unto thee. Um, the, the bass solo in this song is, it gets me every time. It raises the hairs on my arms. And uh, yeah, Tommy the Cat, what can I say? I, I love this little collaboration between Primus and Tom Waits. <laughs> It's great. It's a great little. It's a great little song. Oh yeah. Tommy the cat it's is good. my name, and I say into thee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I. Whenever I get the the urge to listen to Primus again, I'm always excited. And like we were saying earlier, you know, the newer stuff is not that great, but you can't touch that stuff from the '90s. And yeah, and I and I always like uh, that's um. Sailing the Seas of Cheese, that song is on that. Yeah. And I and I used to kind of put that lower in my favorite Primus albums. And then we saw that, then play that album all the way through that like Halloween back in 2003. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. And that, and that it kind of gave me a newfound respect, respect for it. It was great hearing all those songs that I'd kind of forgotten about live was amazing i mean if you think about it you got frizzle fry sailing the seas of cheese pork soda tales from the punch bowl 
And I would even put even the Brown album oh, no, in, in that those, run of albums that are great. Those you know? albums are great. That's a, uh, each yeah. one of them has great songs on it. And yeah, uh, actually, yeah, no, I, I, I always go back. I, I've said it before. I wouldn't have said this when I was younger, but my album that I go back to now is Frizzle Fry. I, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, I think, my favorite it, one. It, it maybe mainly so because good. John yeah. Fisherman so is good. my favorite Primus yeah. song. I don't even know when that happened. At a certain point, though, that became my favorite Primus song, and that's like their mission statement. I, I love it. Yeah. Oh. It's you, got, you, got Mr., you got Mr. Know-It-All on that album. You got uh, the title Western. track, Fizzle Fry, is fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, the last song, <laughs> um, I, I can't remember it right now, but it Harold on the Rocks. <laughs> Oh yeah, Harold. <laughs> God damn, it was a week. Can't see me. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Classic. So anyhow, yeah, that's a you know, we're gonna do Primus like a whole one day. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking numbers drop. <laughs> so now, listeners, but we get invited about... to re- weekend Relancho, Relaxo. Yeah. Next week, join us when we talk about Highball with the Devil. <laughs> <laughs> That album's great. I don't know what you're talking about. That album's fantastic. Uh, all right. Well, all right. Note. <laughs> that's it. Join us next week where we talk about the next day. And then join us the week after that when we talk about the next day extra. Because that's two albums worth of music. Good night. It's true. It's true. Good night. Bye, everyone. When you see me coming high, it's nine times in the pen. You will want it high. It's dirty fun. It's dirty fun. I'm a minute from feeling no sympathy. Bitches be acting like they so damn fine. That's why I fuck them like a drop of a dime. Needle date niggas go fuck a needle. Fuck, I squash a John Lennon like a beetle. Dirt McGurk, Mr. McGurk to the host.